Vida Abundante welcomes you to our SoundCloud page. We'd like to invite you to download our app, available in the App Store and on Google Play. Also, you can now follow us on Instagram under the name Vida Abu or on Facebook under the name Vida Abundante Cicero. But we've been diving deep into Hosea. How many of you guys have been learning a lot from Hosea? So this, this is my, my main objective as a, as a Bible teacher and as your pastor. My main objective is that you guys leave here knowing more about the Word of God, learning less about me, learning less about anything else, but more about God's Word. That's my main objective. So that's why we're going to stick to reading Scripture, learning Scripture, and diving deep into the books of the Bible because that's what is going to change your life. If you're in a mess, if you're in a rut, if your life is out of order, chances are your Bible study is out of order. Chances are you don't know what God is saying because your Bible is closed. So I want to motivate you. I want to instruct you. I want to show you. I want to teach you how to study God's Word. And as we do this every Sunday, you can apply this to your daily devotional life on a daily basis. So so my objective is to teach you guys the word. And as we jump into the book of Hosea, uh, we're going to be in this for a while. I don't know how long we're actually going to be studying the book of Hosea, but just as a reminder, we studied the book of Colossians for roughly nine months. Uh, the book of Hosea has twice as many chapters, so we might be here a little bit longer, but you never know. I might structure it a little bit differently since it is a narrative and it is also in the Old Testament. Uh, the stories are a little bit more different. Uh, but... We've been diving deep into this book, learning the truths about God. Now, this is an Old Testament book that took place roughly 1,500 years ago. So some of us can easily kind of just get it out of the way and be like, well, why is this important now? Why am I studying this now? Why should I learn about something that happened in the 8th century B.C.? Uh, it may not be as important to me anymore. Uh, but I want to show you God's truth in his word. So the God you worship the God that you uh, adore, the God that you love, the God that you will know, you will see evident in the life of Hosea, especially in his book. So as we keep talking about this, you'll keep understanding a little bit more about who the God that you claim to worship is as we go through it. And so that's why I believe Hosea has so much to teach us. That's why we went through verse 1 in three weeks, just the digging and, and, and going in detail on the names in verse 1. But now we're at verse 2. And we're going to spend some time here today and trying to understand what God is doing. If you want to study this on your own, study for next week, chapter 1, verses 2 through 9. That's the portion of Scripture that, that, that it goes hand in hand, verses 2 through 9. Uh, but today we're only going to uh, zoom in on verse 2 to give the rest of the context, and uh, I believe that verses 2 through 9 give the entire message of Hosea, but this is very important. I want you guys to open your Bibles to the book of Hosea, if you're not already there, and let's, let's read what it says in verse 2. Once again, I'm reading from the ESV, and it says, When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go take to yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. I want you guys to zoom in on that 
on that noun, whoredom, it's, it's, it's hard, it's, it's rough. It, it isn't culturally acceptable nowadays. Uh, verse, at the beginning of verse 3, so he went and he took Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim. So here we have this first section. We're going to stop there at the beginning of section uh, 3. But I want you to understand this. Here is the message of God given to the prophet Hosea. We know very little about his life. We, we don't know how old he is. We can speculate he is relatively young because uh, as he names the kings of Israel in the first verse, we can see uh, how, how much he lived. So he started off relatively young, probably died around 60 to 70 years old. But he's a relatively young man. But other than that, we just know what God has told him. We don't know anything else about Hosea, so we can't like speculate much about his life because the Bible doesn't give us that information. But the main thing here is that it's not important. Hosea's life is not important. When you see the name of a prophet on a book, it isn't a biography about the prophet. Usually when we see biographies on, at Borders or Amazon or wherever you buy your books, I hope you buy books, I hope you read, because reading is good. But if you don't, but you, you generally know this, this concept of biography. So here's a, you know, they made a biography of Barack Obama. They made, they've made a biography of Donald Trump. They've made a biography of a lot of famous people. I have, I have three biographies of Michael Jordan because he's a man. So I have three of his biographies, and I've read them all, if you believe it or not. But they're biographies, and what are they about? They're about the person. They're about the athlete. They're about the star. They're about the main figure. But the book of Hosea really doesn't have anything to do with him. This is what's important in the book of Hosea. God's message is what's important in the book of Hosea. And if you want to zoom in on your life a little bit, uh, the message, God's word, is the most important thing in your life. doesn't matter how much money you've got. doesn't matter what kind of car you've got. doesn't matter what career you've got. What's important is God's word in your life. And this is what, what we have to understand and what we have to zoom in on. The man isn't important, but what he will do will be important because he becomes a spokesman for God. That's why we call him a prophet. He is speaking to God's people on God's behalf. God is using him here. And what's interesting about Hosea, though we don't know much about his life, what is interesting is this wonderful concept of of understanding the context. What have we learned up until this, up until today? That Israel, like Judah, are, have gone astray, have lost focus on who their God is. They are a bad people, a bad generation. But only people like Hosea, and then we refer to Amos and Jonah, the prophet Isaiah and Micah that lived relatively in the same time period and prophesied to the same people during the same time period, only select group of people were called by God. What does that tell us? That in the middle of the most difficult spiritual situation of nations, where there is prostitution going big time, and not only the work but the actual spiritual life of the people of Israel, and the people of Judah, when they're at their worst, there are certain people that God can call upon to say his word. So this always should bring to us this, this feeling of, God, I'm in, you know, I grew up in Cicero. This is, this is to me the, the, the biggest hood I've grown up in. You know, I know there's other hardcore 
hoods, but for me, this is the biggest hood I grew up in. It's a difficult neighborhood. It has infamy on all sections, political infamy. Uh, There is uh, uh, gangland corruption going on, and it's pretty difficult. I remember growing up in junior high, walking home from school, listening to the gunshots, and you believe that or not, that's Cicero. It happened here in Cicero. Listening to gunshots, being afraid to walk home from school, or being afraid to go to the park to play basketball and walk home from school because I was in the middle of, of gunshots and stuff. So it was, it was kind of hardcore for me, at least for me. And in this neighborhood, in this area where you can say Cicero is, it's not, it's not Oak Brook, right? It's not Yorktown. It's not a nice big neighborhood. Uh, but in this place, God calls people. And God's word has to be spoken. So if you're one of those people, if you're not like everybody else here in Cicero, God can use you to say God's word. The message is what's important here. The verse, verse 2 starts off by saying, the Lord first spoke. Here's how, here's how the Lord spoke through the prophet Hosea. And then it says, the Lord said. It's two back-to-back parallels in, in the first verse. God choosing somebody and speaking through somebody and God saying. That's That's the message. That's the important factor in this verse so that we understand what we have to listen to here is what is said. What's the message? If the message is so important, then we have to know what the message is. So what's the message? We could sum it up in verse 2. The message first demands two commands. What is he to do? Have, go take a wife of fornication. Or as the ESV says, whoredom. Or a promiscuous woman. He is to marry a fornicating wife or a fornicating woman. And then he is to have children with her. So these are the two commands that the message entails. And remember, this is God speaking. God is telling Hosea these two commands. And then he gives him the reason for the command at the end of the verse. So let's listen to the commands. And then let's understand why God says what he says, which is what is most important. So if you keep looking at your Bibles, I'm going to keep going back and forth in between the verses because I want to point out certain words and certain concepts that we read in, the first, in, in verse 2. But let's go straight to the woman from verse 2. And we have this verb at the beginning. The verb at the beginning of God's message is go. And, like in many occasions, God's message is an imperative. I don't want to go through what an imperative means again, but it is a demand. It is, you, go. This isn't an option for you. You don't have the opportunity to to be like, oh, maybe, okay. No, Hosea has no option. Hosea has no alternative for for God's command. Can Can you give me, like, two other things to do? I mean, what if I don't want to do that? No, God's saying... You, go. This is an imperative. This is a command. This is God speaking. This is God telling the man what to do. And he's, he's supposed to go. And what I love about this verb, if, if you get deep into the details of this verb, the verb in Hebrew means walk. Halak. That's the word. That's the, that's the word in Hebrew. It just means walk. So what God is implying here as he's saying an imperative, I demand you to walk, like, for you and me, it'd be like, God's just telling me to walk. Well, that, that ain't that hard. All right, I'll walk. I'll walk five miles if I have to. But, but what God is implying is not go walk, but go do 
what I tell you to do. What does walking mean? When there's an imperative uh, at the front of it, it means to follow. It means to walk beside. It means to walk hand in hand with God's command. It means that God will speak and the listener will obey. That's what go means. That's what that verb means. That's why I love digging deep into the, 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 the words so that we understand this a little bit more. It isn't just a, a walking aspect of it. It is a command that implies that he is walking with God. And we know this because God requires him to obey this command. So it isn't an option. It is a command of obedience. He says, go walk, be, follow me, and obey. And then he says, Take for yourself a wife of promiscuity or fornication. The ESV translates, if you're reading from the ESV, it says, uh, go take yourself a wife of whoredom, implying it weighs a little bit more into the job of the woman, but the actual word itself doesn't mean the job. Like, there is a job of prostitution. We have that problem here nowadays. This was a big problem? Well, to them it wasn't a problem because to a lot of these people, they've accepted the Assyrian norm of life and these types of women, uh, wives of prostitutions, generally were given to offer Baal worship. So to function as a prostitute in most cases was to function as a cult prostitute, which was you're giving yourself for the sacrifices of other gods. So to them, in this time, this wasn't a bad bad profession it was just kind of normal to them now obviously to God this was not a okay profession God never wanted this to be part of their lives but because of what we've read in the past weeks Israel and Judah have bowed to other gods and now they become normal this is now a normal way of living that's that goes to show a little bit of how Israel and Judah are the fact that prostitution is normal for them and okay Shows you how far they've gone from God. So he's saying, go marry this woman or take a woman, choose a woman that is living a life of fornication. That's why I like using the word fornication instead or promiscuity because, because it implies the type of woman that she was. It wasn't that she was necessarily a prostitute getting paid for, for sexual inter, uh, interactions. It was that she was an immoral woman. This was a type of woman that was doing what all of these other women were doing. They were just playing, that, the, the language of Hosea in the ESV, they were just playing the whore. And yes, on occasionally, they would be paid for what they do. So although the profession isn't mentioned, and, the, and we know this because the word zenunim, which is the word for whoredom or prostitution, or better yet, the word for a, an immoral woman, is used 12 times in the entire Old Testament. But six times it's used in Hosea. So Hosea got, has like this, this strong notion of what zenunim means. Zenunim means that you're acting, you're playing the part. You are acting as an immoral woman. You're doing immorality constantly. It's showing her behavior and her character. It's not just showing her job. Like... Like, you can be, when, when people look at you and you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm a mechanic or I'm a, uh, whatever other profession you may be, I'm a carpenter, I'm a, I'm, I'm a basketball player, anybody, basketball players here? Um, I'm a, 
artist. And you know, sometimes that, that just tells people what you do. It doesn't necessarily mean who you are. So yeah, you can be a, a, um, a truck driver. You can be a mechanic. And we can know, oh, yeah, he's a mechanic, yeah. But that doesn't say who you really are inside. Who you really are inside is often known by the woman that you've married, right? She knows who you are. Or, or the husband knows who, who the woman really is. Oh, she's not just a, a dentist. Man, you got to know her at home. I'll tell you who she really is. Oh, yeah, this man, he ain't just a police officer. No, no, no. I'll tell you who this man really is at home. And so that's what Hosea is coming to. By using this specific word because the other word for prostitute, the actual uh, uh, office of prostitution is zona, not zenunim. So he separates and distinguishes the, the actual profession, prostitution, with the character, prostitution. The woman here that Hosea is to marry and bind himself to is a woman that has this immoral character to her. She is that type of woman. So I want, I want this message to keep like tugging at your heart. Because you have to remember, God is telling him to do this. So this isn't just something Hosea makes up. This is God telling him to do this. And, and while he's saying this, and while you're learning about this, I want you to ask yourself, why would God, holy God, ask this man to marry such a woman? I mean, any mothers out there? I know my wife would never want my sons to marry these types of women. And I know how mothers are very overprotective with their sons, you know, the, the, the mama's boys. And they grow up, and they're 18 years old, and they start dating uh, other girls, and their mom's looking at the girl. She don't even know how to cook. She don't, man, she can't, she can't wash clothes. She can't do this. She can't do this. And, and they, write, they start judging them immediately. They, don't, they want the best for their sons, right? And so you're thinking about, why would God, doesn't God want the best for me? I mean, I see Sunday morning television, and I see, I see a lot of preachers on TV telling me that God wants the best for me. This is my best life today. I can have the best things. If I, all I have to do is ask God for the best things in my life, and God will provide me these best things. Why is God saying this? We've got to ask ourselves this. This is, this is what he's telling Hosea to do. And I hope that the three weeks previous to this have set this up for you. If you haven't been here three weeks uh, go back to our SoundCloud page or our website. We'll have all the, we have all the audio files there that you can listen to online for free or just download our app and you can listen to them. But, but this is what the message is. He is showing her character. This is an immoral girl who depends on gifts from her lovers. Even though that's not her profession, this is kind of what they did. She would commit the acts and would just live off the gifts that her lovers would provide. Hosea is told, go bind yourself to her, to a woman like this. So God doesn't tell him who exactly. He doesn't say, you see that girl over there? That she, yeah, she's really bad. Her. And he doesn't say the name yet. He doesn't say who she is. God doesn't choose it for her. He chooses the woman. So Hosea here, it's implied that he looks out into Israel and he's looking for this type of woman. Now, there's plenty of them out there, but he'll have to be selective and he'll choose one. Maybe Hosea doesn't ch chooses like the less 
immoral woman that can be. But the fact that Hosea has to choose it brings the message harder. Go get yourself this type of woman, and you will bind yourself to her. Why? Because this is what I have done with Israel. So here is the driving factor behind this entire message of Hosea. We cannot forget that this marriage will represent, from now on, God's marriage to Israel. So the entire marriage is a metaphor for God's marriage to Israel. Now that doesn't devalue the, the, the marriage, or that doesn't just mean that it's a story of some kind. This is an actual marriage. This is going on. And it makes it that much more uh, impressive on us knowing that this actual marriage happened and this is exactly what God has done with Israel. The immoral woman, the woman that has a character of promiscuity, the, the, in, in the ESV language, the whore is Israel. Israel is playing the whore. Israel is playing the prostitution part and God has married her. And so Hosea, in his message, it will not only be what he speaks. This is not just what Hosea is going to tell the people to do because that's what prophets did. Hosea is going to have to live this. He's going to have to go through it. This is who God has married. You don't have to go there, but in the book of Deuteronomy, God opens up the minds, opens up our minds again by showing us that the type of people he has chosen to marry. He says, know therefore that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness. He's telling this to the people of Israel. I'm not going to give you this land that they're about to possess with Joshua, the land of milk and honey. I'm not going to give you this wonderful thing because you're good. If you guys have studied up through Deuteronomy, you'll understand that in Exodus, the people of God failed him. In uh, the Levitical uh, orders of sacrifice were failed by the people. In, Deuter in Numbers, they fail God again and again. And then in Deuteronomy, they will fail God again. And he's telling them, you're not good, and I'm not giving you these good things because you're good. He says, for you are a stubborn people. The people that God was going to marry were stubborn. They have failed God once, one time, two times, but those are the people that God has chosen to marry. So Hosea will do the same. Israel was always this type of people. Joshua, the, the book after Deuteronomy, he describes them and he says, Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him with sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river in Egypt and serve the Lord. What is Joshua reminding of us? He's reminding us of their past. He's telling the people of Israel, put away those gods. And this is the second generation after the Exodus. He's telling them, those gods that your parents worshipped, that hoard after, put those gods away. This was the tendency of the people of God. And he still wanted to pursue his eternal covenant with them. This is especially important because it's troubling. I don't know 
how you feel about this, but I, I feel troubled about it. I feel troubled about the fact that a holy God will tell a somewhat holy man to marry an unholy, immoral woman. The law itself, even prior to the law, God says about a promiscuous woman or an immoral woman that they should be put to death. We see this in the book of Genesis that Judah was told, Tamar, your daughter-in-law, has been immoral. Moreover, she is pregnant by immorality. And Judah said, bring her out and let her be burned. This is what a prostituting woman or an immoral woman, a zunanim, was, this was what, what should happen to her. Leviticus says, and the daughter of any priest, if she profanes herself by whoring, profanes her father, she shall be burned with fire. And Deuteronomy takes it a little bit step further in 22 verse 21. Then they shall bring out the young woman to the door of her father's house, and the men of, her, of the city shall stone her to death with stones, because she has done an outrageous thing in Israel by whoring in the father's house. You shall purge the evil from your midst. This Zunanim, this whoring, this prostit prostitution, this immorality going on was never accepted by God. This was to be gotten rid of from within God's people because this is what the outside people have brought in to God's people. And God wants that out of his people. So this becomes very troubling then. How does God do this with Hosea? And why is God going against his own law? Is he contradicting himself? Is he opposing his word? Is this why the critics of the Bible say, yeah, the Bible contradicts itself all the time? You see, this is a clear fact that God's contradicting his own law. Oh, we have to remember that the grace that we saw in the king Hezekiah last week, Hezekiah brings in the people that did not deserve to worship God and break bread, and he cleanses them and he prays for them. Right here, the important factor is God's grace is above his law. God's grace is better than what the law entails. And that's why you and me, we have to be very happy about that. We have to be very gracious about that. We should not be here just to fulfill a obligation, we should be here because we know we need God. We should not be told by the worship leader to sing Amazing Grace. We should be on our knees singing Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. We should be here because we know we need to worship. We should be, we should be here because we know we need God not forced to be here. My husband isn't forcing me to be here. My wife isn't forcing me to be here. I'm here because I'm a wretch. I'm a sinner. Just like the people of Israel. And yet, I've recognized God's grace in my life. Where the law says I should have been put to death. Where all of us here should be in hell. The grace of God has saved. This is the God of Hosea, and he's telling him what to do because he wants to prove and show who he is for his people. 
This is God trying to tell Hosea, this is what I've done already. I've married this immoral woman. And now I want you to say this message to the people. And they shall see it in you, what I have done to them. Maybe it'll be a little bit more clear once they see it with their eyes, how this plays out. So she, so Hosea is in this midst. What does this mean for Hosea? What does this mean to be a man of God, a, a future or a spokesman of God? What does this all entail? Can you imagine now the man, Hosea, like receiving all this, knowing all of the, the law? I mean, for some reason he was chosen, so he understands that the land has committed uh, fornication and adultery against God. So he understands that the land is bad, and now he's having to receive this from God himself. He's, he's receiving this message to marry one of these people. What does this mean to him? How is he supposed to live a life of a spokesman, of a prophet, and everyone's going to see that his wife's an immoral woman? It's like seeing a, a prominent figure, an authority, uh, an, a figure of authority. Wow, look at this big guy. But man, his wife, wow, she, she's been around. It, it, it will bring kind of devalue to the office of whatever authority figure that may be. It can be vice versa, the, the woman or the man. It doesn't matter what, what, what's implied here is that how was he supposed to do God's work with this relationship? Well, for Hosea, it doesn't matter yet. Because God is making this a demand upon his life. And not only that, that was the first command. Marry this type of woman. What's the second command? Have children of fornication. The ESV says it like this. Go take yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom. So what does that mean? ESV is a little bit difficult in, in wording that. Hosea actually is one of the most difficult books that the Hebrew scholars have in, interpreted. So this is very, it's a very difficult book to work through in Hebrew. And so sometimes it's, it's hard to get around this. But if you go straight literal, you understand that what the message is, is not that the children should be out of fornication. So some people have said that, oh, Hosea married a woman that had, because she was a fornicating woman, she had a lot of kids already, so he takes on her kids. Well, that's not necessarily the, the case because then the word wouldn't be fornication. She would mean, it would mean that she would have had to been married. So what does this taking the children of fornication mean? What, what it means is that they're going to convey or they're going to assume the character of their mother. That's, that's hard. Her, their children are going to reflect, are going to carry the stigma of their mother. If you have kids, that's hard. That's why you want to be a, a man of God or a righteous man. That's why you want to live with integrity because your kids, you're going to be like, oh, that's your dad? Oh, what do they do to the kids? They're like, oh, that's your dad, man. Good luck to you. Or, man, you're probably going to follow the same shoes as your dad. Oh, your dad was a drunk. You're going to be a drunk. His dad was a drunk. You're going to be another drunk. Like, it's a stigma that the kids carry. And Hosea's being told he's going to have to have children that will carry 
the stigma of their immoral mother. The accurate translation can read like this. Marry a woman who is immoral and beget children who will bear her stigma or who will bear her reputation. So the children born will be affected by the mother's corruption. That's the command Hosea gets. Not only marry an immoral woman, but then your kids are going to follow in the same path. They're going to carry that burden of corruption by their mother. Just like the mother has the stigma of Israel, because now at this metaphor, the difficulty of this metaphor is always relating it back to Israel. She, is a, she has this character of immorality representing Israel. Hosea is representing God. Israel is representing this immoral woman. And Israel has this immoral character of the woman. And just like that, the kids will carry that immoral stigma. And then they will represent the children of Israel. So the children here are not only Hosea's physical kids. They are now going to represent Israel's children. The children of Israel are immoral. They will carry that stigma with them. They're a sign of the Israelite people, and they will bear that stigma just like they, the mother bears the stigma of Israel. They will be a promiscuous generation. So this is hard, man. This is, I mean, I'm only speaking on behalf of a parent. This is hard. When God says these things. So that's the message. Those are the commands. What's the reason behind this? Like, all right, God, come on. Why? Why? Isn't there any other way to do this? Can't you just, like, come down and be like... <sighs> Is there any other way? What's the reason behind this? Well, the good thing is that you don't have to depend on me to give you the reason. The word of God gives us the reason. What is the, the reason here at the end of uh, verse 2? Have children of whoredom. For the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. Ooh. Why am I telling you to do this, Hosea? Why am I giving you these difficult commands? Why? Be I'll tell you why. Because the land, the people are committing whoredom against me. And though I married them, they need to be warned. They need to be judged upon their ex. Warn them. Always a prophetic voice will always come in moments of deep warning. They need to be warned. They need to be exposed. They need to be uh, before God. They need to ask for repentance. These people need to come back to God. And the words here again are so clear and clever, cleverly written because the word aher min, which means walk behind or walk after, that's the Hebrew trans, uh, translation to it. Achar, which is the Hebrew word, it, it means walk after, walk behind, be with. But when there's a pre preposition before it, which is min, min achar, it means walk away. So what's, what is he saying here? He's saying, 
the land has walked away from God. And remember what, I'm, what I said in the beginning? Walking isn't just like, I'm out on a stroll. Walking means you're with God in obedience. And now at the end of the verse, the people are walking away from God. They're disobeying God. How are they disobeying God? It goes even further. They're disobeying God by fornicating. Here's a, here's a translation that I worked on. For the land fornicates greatly away from Yahweh, or away from the Lord, away from God. What, what happens, what, what you have to understand here is that the, the people are fornicating, or their immoral acts are pushing them away from God. Get it like this. So in their fornicating, in their immorality, they are going further and further and further away. God has called his people to walk with him, walk beside him, and these people have gone away from him. Not just saying, oh, we don't want you, God. No, no, not just like that. That's something that would be a little bit less. No, that, oh, I don't want God. I'm going to just go this way. No, no, no. They're purposely going away from God by committing these acts of fornication. The people are fornicating against God, not just on the sexual perverse level, not just in that sense, but they've committed great apostasy against God. In their apostasy, as they do it, they know that they're going further and further away. It's kind of like saying, I want to get further from you. How do I get further away from you? By committing these acts. It's not like I'm going to come, I'm going to get away from you and then do whatever I want. No, I'm going to do what you don't want me to do. And because I do what you don't want me to do, I'm going further and further away. They, it's premeditated. They're going away from God. Hosea walks with God. Hosea obeys God. So you got to always compare the two. The land here isn't just about the individuals. It's about the culture. It's about the institutions. It's about the ethics of the land, of the people. This is who the people were. This is how their government ran. This is the political climate of the people. So when Hosea mentions the land, it's not talking about the ground, the dust. It's talking about all of these areas, not just the people, but everything they've set up. I mean, you look around in our context, you look at our institutions, you look at our level of bowing down to immoral acts, you see Planned Parenthood centers rising and there's and if you say something against it, it's, you're intolerant and you're a bad person. It, there's all of these institutions that are against God. That's the level that we're at in the United States. I look at Assyria and what it did to Israel and Judah, and I see that same spirit in the United States. I mean, it's normal. I... I have to counsel a lot. I went through a 
horrific counseling session with a little girl. A little girl that has been, her mind has been tormented by what her other peers have told her about sex. And she's eight years old. And I had to sit there and listen to her tell me what her, what her friends tell her. And I'm like, this is, the, this is where we're at. This is the culture of the land. And this is what God is telling Hosea to do. Where he's telling him to minister. And why he's telling them about the coming judgment. So this isn't just the message, my friends. The message is the most important thing here. But the message alongside the state of the land and its coming judgment. The land will be punished. The people will be punished. And Hosea, as we keep going through the book, we're going to find out why God goes hard on the people of Israel. He's going to go hard and he's going to go all out. Because they have walked, in their walking away, in their fornication, they're walking away from God. But then, you know, there's always like a little glimmer of hope at the end of certain sections. Verse 3, at the beginning of verse 3, it says, I translated it, so he went and took. There's that verb again, walked. Walking is in the beginning of the verse 2, and it parallels at the beginning of verse 3. God says, go in verse 2, and in verse 3, Hosea, what does he do? He goes. God says, go. Hosea goes. You guys get that? God says, go. And what does Hosea do? Does he contemplate it? Does he, like, think? Man, guys, this is a little bit weird. Uh, let me talk it over with my friends. Let me put this up on Facebook real quick. Let me see what everyone else thinks about this. Let me look up some stuff. Let me do some research. No, God says go. Hosea, go. It's, it's really simple. And that's why the message is so important. Because this is your message, friends. This is God's word to you. And God says things here to you, and, and there are people like Hosea that says, okay. But then there are other people, like the people of Israel, that are like, I think otherwise. I think it's best to do whatever we want. I think it's best to keep fornicating away from God. Hosea listens, and he goes, and he takes he obeys. That's what it means to walk with God. Obedience. What does obedience imply? Humbleness. You're broken down by God Almighty. You walk with God because you recognize that you're, you need him. Your life away from God was nothing. Your life is nothing apart from God. So you walk humbly and you walk in obedience. Hosea goes and he takes, and we get finally the introduction to the woman's name. He finds a woman by the name of what? Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim. Now, there isn't really any significance in the names of these people. But what 
why they're mentioned is important because this proves to us that these are real people. This isn't, like I mentioned in the beginning, this isn't a parable. This isn't a vision. This isn't just a made-up story. This happened. This is real. These are real people. And the message, therefore, goes even harder. So I pray today that you hear his word and you do his word. Go. When God says go, you're going to go. Not just walk, but you're going to obey. Amen? Let's stand up today. And let's pray. Father, your message, your word is at times very difficult. We don't understand what went through Hosea's mind or heart as he heard you say this to him. But what we do know from Hosea is that he trusted you enough to do it. I pray, Lord, that as we read your word and as we are convicted by your word, by your message, that though it may be hard and difficult, that we can be like Hosea and do it and go and be obedient. Lord, help us all recognize our need for a Savior. Help us all recognize our need for God's grace in our life. Help us all realize that God has given us Christ to mediate for our depravity, to mediate for our sins, and to bear it on the cross. Lord, that Christ and his cross remind us today that we deserve to be there but he was there instead. And Lord, help us be obedient to your word and to your message every day in Jesus' name. And we all say, amen.